Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, car fiends and gearheads. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with our engineer and co-host, Mr. Mark Groves. Yo. And Mr. Corey Pratt of Craving Cars on YouTube. Yep. And former co-host and owner of the world's lowest volume collector car dealership, <laughs> Mr. Vern Astis. Wait, where am I? Uh-huh. Of course. <laughs> We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in beautiful Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, just save the stupid address so you can find your way back next time, would you? I just don't live out here. It's just <laughs> everything looks the same. I, I can't find anything. It, he was on the phone in his truck and... It was only sh- 17 streets off. Yeah, in fairness the- to me, it was only 17 <laughs> streets off. He was past of the airport, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, my God. By about that's, five or six streets, yeah. That, that's a pretty decent landmark. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to tell your gearhead friends. If there is something you would like to hear more of or someone you think we should be talking to, or if you have an interesting story, tell us. Send your emails to brett at drivenradioshow.com. So, gentlemen, what did you do interesting with your cars and motorcycles this week? Um, is it my turn? <laughs> I think he's just no, answering he, he asked interesting. <laughs> I, I, I'm staring right at him. I, I'm still in that process of getting out of our house and cleaning things up and moving in. And uh, okay, I, you I, get a, I, I you get a pass. Time, you get a legitimate pass. It's it sucks, but it's work that has to be done because we got to be out of the house within another week here. Okay, well so. then you get a, you get a legit pass. You, I'm still waiting to see if it's uh, finally done. Uh, the bike. I, I just had interesting uh, experiences mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend and into into this week. Basically, when uh, I was checking with them, and they're like, "God, this is the most complicated freaking carb we've ever been in. This thing's stupid." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Just it slap is. a holly on it and be done." <laughs> you know, two days later, hey, is it on yet? Yeah, we've got it in. Uh, we're gonna test drive it tonight because it was raining. So a little bit later, hey, do you happen to have the key? What the f- uh, what? <laughs> no. no, it was with the bike. So. Uh, I you know I tore my truck apart. I went through every pair of jeans I had in the wash. I went through everything. I got nothing. I'm like that thing. It was in the key thing, and they f- eventually found it because they were kind of looking. And I I texted back, hey, have, you know they were going to check the saddlebags. I'm gonna check the uh, also the little thing in the back of the seat, the little storage the, the compartment. Little, yeah, and they they sent me a, a picture seat, on the phone. Seat release. Yeah, it was uh, right there hanging at, right out of that. And they're like, yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> We found it. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, dang. Hammerheads. That's nice. So, uh, uh, Mr. Vern, we're going to get to all your interesting car stuff later because you've got so much of it to take a half a show to do. <laughs> all right. So good to me. we will get around to you. Uh, Rhonda and I took the little red Corvette to uh, some friend's wedding this weekend. Is that where the picture was taken? At the wedding? Well, afterward, the car wound up in the wedding pictures. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, they used the car and took the... Here it, comes the ride. Uh-huh, <laughs> that's right. And then uh, after we ate at the reception, we drove around for a couple hours and thought, yeah, let's go over to Park Place and have some drinks. And that's where the... Oh, nice. That's where the okay. picture was taken. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had to wait to get that shot because... Every other moment we were there, there were people all around that car. And How uh, fun is that? Yeah, it was interesting, but you also want to sit outside because you're paranoid. Just get away from the yeah. car! No touchy! No touchy-touchy! How many times your finger? So that was cool, <laughs> and a really great picture wound up on Facebook out of that. Yeah. In the news this week, a new Acura Integra is coming. Chevy has given us a peek at the upcoming Corvette Z06. They just couldn't hold off any longer. And that goofball-looking Mustang Mach-E <laughs> may be Officer Friendly's new <laughs> ride. Mm-hmm. Later on, we'll be uh, talking to vessel car expert and consignment director for Mecham Auctions, John Craman. He'll be here to discuss the whirlwind that is Mecham the last couple of months. And in segment three, we have a segment three, because Mr. Vern is going to be discussing all the exciting inventory of Vernon Estes Classics. I just love it when you call me Mr. Mr. Something about it. <laughs> well, usually you only hear that if you're in trouble. Yeah. Usually it's Vernon. They call him, The wife calls me Vernon uh-huh. when I'm and, in trouble. All right, from Rodent Track, the next Integra will be a five-door hatchback. Uh, last month, Acura shocked the world when it revealed that it would be debuting his new... Debuting? En- yep, debuting. Did, did you say debuting? Yep. going to mean debuting. Sorry. Yep, that's what <laughs> that's I said. It's a northern town, it. isn't it? Debut? <laughs> yes, in Iowa. <laughs> no, that's I- Iowa. <laughs> uh, a new wow, Integra. Okay. A teaser photo shows that the most important detail shared about the car yet, like the original Integra, Introduced in 86, the new Integra will be offered as a five-door hatchback. There aren't many of those left anymore. Five I mean, five-door hatchbacks. hatchbacks, they just, uh, unless you start looking at... Well, I actually forgot that they had a five-door hatchback because I've only uh, seen the two doors. The two-door hatchbacks are, are the more, more popular one. Is right. that like those ugly sobs, the old ones, where they, the back, practically hey, the back hey, of the car hey. lifts up or a... An AMC Eagle Wagon? Yeah, I had it's, one. It's what does this look like? It's kind of like I a had one of those hatchback. ugly socks. I love that car. It isn't like a golf hatchback. Like you know, it's, it's it's slanted in the back. Oh, so. God. Okay. I like I socks. You. I think they're okay. a great looking car. I always wanted yeah. to get a personalized tag for it that said SNAB, S-N-A-A-B. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a, a hot guy ship. I was more into guy. the performance-oriented <laughs> Integras, which were all two doors. Yeah. So. I'm sorry. I am so off base today. Wow, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Integra was a successful car enough as a five door the name becomes iconic on the uh back of coupe like three-door hatchbacks is what i was it's okay Corey, steer into the skid yeah the uh hey you know i'm all all about the car control you know the sort of compact front-wheel drive coupe has disappeared from the marketplace in decades since uh the more modern actors offered offering the car that might resemble four-door coupes with full lift trunks from audi and porsche the teaser photo only shows the five-door form but the announcement does not necessarily rule a three-door performance variant in the future, which I'm kind of hoping for. But Acura does say the fifth-generation Integra will be a premium sports compact with a striking five-door Five design. So they may not have a three-door design. I don't have know, you seen the pictures? Oh, wow. Uh, it I, sounds like they're excited about that. I, I haven't seen the, the pictures, but uh, you're going to be able to check those out Yeah, uh, on the, readthedriven.com, am I correct? Yes, and uh, the... The very limited scope of the picture mm-hmm. is pretty slick. It looks cool. Okay. That's good. 
Probably so, don't go into a lot of detail, but hey, check it out. Uh, whatever we can find, we'll put up on the uh, website. Wow. We uh, we completely <laughs> completely ran off the road with that. Let me see where I can screw this one up for you guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm not reading any news, so please do. Kind of invited it. I'm, Will they yeah. make a five-door Type R? There's the question. I don't know, man. I'd really like to see them bring back the three-door Type R because that was a slick car. Mm-hmm. I, and I'd love to have one. Have so you, was this based, I think, on the chassis of the Civic? I just I heard because this news and I just don't understand well. like why why do we need a five door hatchback and thing called an Integra like why call it an Integra? I don't understand. I, I don't know. It, it have makes have no you sense. seen what uh, first and second gen Integras have why? done at auction lately? Well, yeah, but I mean, They've why call it an Integra though? For the same river. reason why they're calling a mini truck a uh, Maverick. <sighs> They're probably going to sell a lot of those, though. But, yeah, I get the point. I mean, they are atrocious. Or or a crossover SUV, a Mustang. (laughs) Don't we have a Ranger? Why do we have to have the Maverick? Or or a minivan, a Blazer. That's a good question. (laughs) I have a good idea. Let's keep raping our heritage. All righty. From Muscle Cars and Trucks, this, they've got a picture, is the 2023 Corvette Z06, but not in its ultimate form. On Monday, September 27th, Chevrolet decided just to rip the tape off and show the people what the 2023 Corvette Z06 will look like. However, keen observers may notice that this is the more subtle base model without the mighty Z07 package, which means it doesn't have the big wing on the back. But if you look at it, it does look like it's wider through the haunches, and the uh, the air intake, that kind of boomerang-looking air intake, yeah. now has a streak that comes back from the point. Oh, I, yeah. I guess that's how you're going to be able to tell them apart. I do kind of like the wide hips, though. The 2023 Corvette Z06 with a Z07 package was spotted multiple times on public roads here in the U.S. and at the infamous Nürburgring in Germany during industry pool testing. It's easily identified by the contoured rear wing, and it's sure to have an upgraded set of brakes and Michelin Pilot Sport Cup 2R sticky enough to stick to your ceiling tires. Pricing on the Z07 package is not yet not yet known, easy for me to say, but the package cost at was uh, $79.95 on the C7 Z06 during this final model year. It'd be safe to assume the Z07 package on the new Corvette would be a little bit more than that. I would say they're going to add a whole bunch of uh, carbon fiber to that pack. So oh, I bet they do. If, if the GT500 can have an $18,000 carbon package, then who knows what this is Did it really? Be. Yeah. How much will Corvette charge for the painted stripes? That's what I want to know. It's oh, $10,000 on a GT500 yeah. just to not have tape stripes. <laughs> I'm betting it's not that. $38,000 for Corvette painted uh, two stripes. Two words. Dash plaque. I was Boom. thinking, I was thinking 10, duct tape. Somebody duct- will pay it. <laughs> Somebody will pay it. It doesn't matter what amount of money they put on it. It'll be a duct tape. Carbon duct tape. Uh-huh. The 2023 Corvette Z06 will officially debut October 26th. The C8 Z06 is said to have a 5.5 liter flat plane double overhead cam V8 engine. Uh, total horsepower and torque numbers should come between 600 and 620 horsepower. That's less than the 650 horsepower from the supercharged LT4 in the previous generation Z06. But the C8 has the potential to be the most powerful, atmospheric, V8-powered production vehicle the world has ever seen. Now, question. That dog will If hunt. you buy yeah, it. Well. 
if you buy it, do you get a pair of New Balances or do you just get a discount at the New Balance store? <laughs> it's, I don't know. I think man. you get one, and the ends <laughs> I, is, I, has a colored. I, are there uh, jorts piping them with it? Or uh, do you have to buy the I was going to say, I think part of the delivery package will have your denim shorts in it. <laughs> And, and then if you go to the New Balance store and get your New Balance at a discount, because Corvette guys love a good deal, like we all do. Yeah, you're going to get the full Corvette delivery package. It will come with denim shorts, white New Balance sneakers, and a Tommy Bahama shirt. You left out the socks. Who Better wears come socks? with socks. Yeah. Better come with like mid, not not full no, tubes, dude, yeah. and like not like low profile. This something is full right, on sexy. Cap. You don't yeah. even wear yep. the socks, man. Yep. You just go in full body smooth. They're doing right something new though. Balance. So the Fresh end is going to have a colored piping to match the interior of the car. Oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, but for five thousand extra dollars, you'll get the little hammer <laughs> I'm on the bottom of the shorts. I'm wondering the Corvette guy at the table. The Corvette guy at the table is like starting to clam up while we're saying this. He's like, I feel like Corey now. I, I just want to know what everybody else has to say. I'm taking it all in. <laughs> Feel the hate. From uh, Motor Authority, uh, you're not going to get me, copper top. Ford Mustang Mach-E <laughs> could become a police cruiser after passing crucial test. Uh, the quiet, smooth operation of EVs, uh, according to <laughs> the article, tend to be relaxing for occupants, and this could help to reduce stress and let officers concentrate on their surroundings, which I think is going to be hilarious because all these people are going to be pointing and laughing. Yes, Corey. So the people they throw in the back in handcuffs will show up in jail a little bit more relaxed than little, before. A little, little more chill. No, right. Or, hey, man, or the cops will be able to hear every single bitch that's coming out of the back seat. <laughs> Now, Ford's one of the major suppliers of vehicles to police agencies across the country, and it's hopeful that its Mustang Mach-E will prove attractive to the police departments. Now, Ford didn't say what version of the Mustang Mach-E they're going to be putting out for use. Uh, looks like they're going to try it out in Michigan, which will be fun. When it comes to performance, the current top dog That's is a Mustang Mach-E so GT work. Performance. <laughs> Priced from $66,000, 480 horsepower, 630 foot-pound of torque, and an estimated 260 miles of range. So mm. if we can just get out on the open frickin' road. Mm. Now, yeah. of course, that's so Michigan police. Patrol, yeah, I was about for... to say, the troopers might still have something that burns fossils. but There is this definitely the... an electric chair joke in there somewhere. This will be the first <laughs> time an 80s diesel Mercedes will be able to outrun any cop. All you have to do is keep motoring. Keep going. Keep motoring. You'll be fine. You'll, well, there's Tesla no way they're going to catch it. 400 volts. Is that enough to? Uh... You know, oh, I've never, I've never uh, researched electric chairs, but I think it's the uh, amperage. You know, 10,000 volts, but you got to have the good amperage. Oh, okay. Uh. Watch the Green Mile again. Put the extended battery package in there, then. Yeah, extended battery. This is the third <laughs> rail edition of the Mach-E. <laughs> <laughs> What's that extra little whoa? This Maki's judge jury. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're not if you're not relaxed by the electric Why tendencies of the car. Why are you plugging in car, my handcuffs? Yeah, Why do my handcuffs look like jumper cables? Literally, you could build in a built-in taser into the seat, so if they get too excited, just buzz them. Just give them a little buzz from the front side. We all get We all got to get out more. We got man. the sillies. Bad. Oofa. Oh, wow. Well, coming up in segment two, muscle car expert and consignment director for Meekum Auctions, John Craven, will be here to discuss the whirlwind that is Meekum Auctions this fall. In segment three, Vern will continue his smartassery and be discussing the exciting inventory 
at the world's smallest volume <laughs> collector car dealership. I have five cars right now, and I've it's been a long time. You probably since I've had feel overwhelmed. Oh, okay. I just smartassery is awfully optimistic. Uh, I've actually smart. had to work lately. It's the worst. <laughs> all, all this and way too much more is coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio Show, coming to you from Driven Media World Headquarters in lovely Overland Park, Kansas. Our special guest this week, and repeat offender, is Mr. John Crayman, muscle car expert and consignment director for Mecham Auctions. John is here to give us a quick peek at the flurry of activity in the Mecham auction world. John, welcome back to Driven Radio. Always a pleasure to talk cars with you guys, especially uh, with as crazy and wild as the market is right now. Yes, and oh, yeah. you guys are not sitting still at all. Uh, I know how busy you've been of late and that you have commitments yet tonight that are your own. And so we won't keep you very long. The collector car market is still white hot, and Meekum seems yep. to be making hay while the sun is shining. The company's had 17 auctions since June of last year, wow. uh, done more than a half a billion dollars in total sales, and had the first ever two $100 million-plus auctions in the same calendar year. Meekum was in Monterey for Car Week and then Dallas in early September, where you had a second highest uh, sales total for Dallas, uh, moving $36.8 million worth of cars on an 86% sell through on 1,101 cars. Good God, that's a lot of stuff. Well, and they're just they're piling on top of each other, and that is so good. I'll tell you, you know, all of this, all these records after records, and all of the success right in the middle of this pandemic, and it really indicates just how important it is to car folks to immerse themselves in all things automotive. It is such a a great way to you know, get through this. It, I know my little modest collection, it always puts me in my happy place when I'm behind the wheel or out in the garage, puttering, cleaning, whatever the particular case is. And I think a lot of other folks feel the same way. And really got to give hats off to the entire Meekum organization for not only continuing to hold safe and televised live auctions all over the country, but also to enter into some previously uh, chartered waters, but definitely been put on the front burner, and that is heightened interest in online bidding as well. We've overhauled our whole process with hardware and software to make that uh, much easier and much more of a seamless. So we've got the best of both worlds, the excitement of a live Mecham auction and, and the option for anybody that wants to bid online by doing that as well. And, I, and, and guys, I think that's why we've jumped from the average sell rate, that's the barometer really in our business, what percentage of cars we're actually selling, going from that 60 to 70 percentile range to over 80 percent, a lot of cases now, 90 percent sell through literally at all the auctions in the past 14, 15 months. It's unprecedented in collector car history. And to that end, uh, Mecham is entered into the October takeover uh, starting in Las Vegas, the 7th through the 9th, at the Las Vegas Convention Center with an estimated 1,000 lots consigned. Then on to Chattanooga, Tennessee, October 15th through the 16th with 600 lots. And finally to Chicago, October 21st through the 23rd with an estimated 1,000 consignments there. That's five big sales since August and three big sales in the next month. 
how in the hell are you keeping up? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I ask that all the time. There's about 140 full-time ECOM employees and about 300 of us that, uh, on, on top of that, that will actually go on the road and make all these happens. But that October takeover, three auctions that you mentioned, all literally a week apart. We don't have any breathing room in between there. That is once again, unprecedented. It's just the way that the scheduling worked out. And uh, our vice president of operations, Harold Gertis, is a magician as far as handling the logistics of getting the people and the semis and the staging and everything else. And then the check-in guys have to obviously deal with getting the cars checked in in a timely fashion and moving on to the next auction. And then, of course, all the office workers dealing with all of the titles and the check-in procedures and the descriptions and, and the photos. It has been a it's been an intense effort. And we've all got our fingers crossed. It's obviously going to pay off in a big way uh, with what we're so proud to call the October uh, takeover. That is such a cool word. I just have to think that the collector car world in general is out there, like you guys are, scratch your head saying, how the heck are these guys doing it? And I will just tell you that this team is highly motivated. We love a challenge. We want to take care of the market that exists today. We don't want to rest on our laurels. We want to keep our foot on the gas. And uh, that's the plan. And we're all we're all cranked up and excited. And and uh, we'll we'll try to sneak in a rest when we can. But in the short term, <laughs> there's none on the horizon. Uh, no kidding. Your your equipment's not even going to cool down in between sales for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, right, you're right. So you got three sales in October. You got a lot of stuff to look at. Twenty six hundred consignments. Yeah. What has you excited, and what should we be watching? Well, the big thing is, just like it's the topic on everybody's mind, is will this strong market continue? Will the high prices continue? Will the high sell-through rate continue? And I think that's what everybody's going to be watching and everybody's going to be gauging. We've got plenty of uh, television coverage coming up on NBCSN, also on Peacock as well. Check your listings for those to be able to catch all that action. You can always watch the streaming live. No commentary from the announce crew, but uh, at Meekum.com as well. I know you guys ha have had a chance to watch that as well. So if you can't attend in person, you can no shortage of, of, of great auction action to be able to be viewed either on TV or online. So I think, guys, I think that's, that's really going to tell the big story is will this continue as we move now closer to the end of the year, looking ahead, obviously, to the world's biggest auction, our auction in Kissimmee, Florida in January, mm -hmm. still a ways out yet. But with these four auctions on the horizon, will we continue this high pace, this toward pace? And we're, we're optimistic. I'm not too concerned i'm not worried but we're going to be paying close to cl close attention to it and so is everybody else that's keeping tabs on what's happening out there in the world uh late model cars collector cars performance cars continue to be hot as ever with limited availability on new product as we know but the big surprising story is the vintage stuff the stuff that's 50 years old mm -hmm. also continues to be escalating in demand and then ultimately value and i'm gonna i'm gonna predict we'll see I'm going to predict by the time Kansas City rolls around in December, we'll have these three auctions behind us. But I'm going to predict um, it's going to continue. I, th I, I think this strength is going to go right to the early part of uh, next year, maybe beyond that, but certainly through the early part of next year. A question I ask you every time we have you on, uh, looking forward to the sales that are coming up, what would you put in your garage? You know, I've been with Meekum since 2006, been calling the action on the television show since 2008. And I had to learn very, very early on 
being immersed hour after hour after hour, day after day of great collector cars rolling across. Really have to be careful and you really have to be selective. <laughs> so here's what I've done. Here's what I've done. I have filled my modest toy box with uh, the cars that are important to me, my dream car, 64 GTO, uh, 2014 Mustang GT Coyote 5 liter 6 speed that I bought new, and then three Corvettes, a 72 I bought at Mecham, uh, a 2010, a C6, and of course a brand new 2020, not brand new now, but I've got a new C8 as well. So my little toy box is full, <laughs> and in a way that's a in a way that's comforting because I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing, but I'm but I'm not in the market. Uh huh. Hypothetically, that happen sir, <laughs> I, I, I was asking for a hypothetical. Uh, you can't, you can't let yourself do this for a living and start buying everything you want. You'll never take a penny home. Exactly, <laughs> and that is the dilemma. I will say, I'm probably like a lot of people out there. There are a couple vehicles that are exploding in popularity that's really kind of a recent phenomenon and that's the first generation the 66 through 70 uh, uh, seven Broncos the small Broncos and uh, the C10s from 67 to 72 the glamour era C10s for some reason like everybody else I'm starting to get really interested in those particularly if they've been upgraded say an LS upgrade on a uh, on uh, on the C10 or a Coyote powered with a manual transmission early Bronco uh, would probably be would probably get my attention if I had if I had some space for it. True, absolutely true. Once you get through all of this stuff, you've got Kansas City coming up in December, the second through the fourth at the Kansas City Convention Center, seven hundred lots on offer. But more importantly, I'm dragging you and David back to my house to cook steaks <laughs> for you again. <laughs> You're not dragging, man. We'll. You're not dragging. <laughs> we'll beat you there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yep. think it's going to be a pretty full house. There's a lot of people who want to say hi and also want to get a free steak. So uh, we look forward to having you. Win-win. John, uh, I know you got to run. you got stuff to do. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time. Why don't we talk about everything once you get through October? That sounds great. Really appreciate the interest, guys. Thank you, thank you very much, John. We've been speaking with John Craman, muscle car expert and consignment director for Mecham Auctions. You can find all the social media links for John and Mecham Auctions on DrivenRadioShow.com. John, again, thank you so much for being with us on Driven Radio. Coming up in segment three, we're going to be speaking with Vern Estes, who seems to have lots to say tonight. Uh, about oh, so all much. of the exciting inventory over at Vernon Estes Classics, the world's smallest volume collector car dealer. That and a lot more coming up here on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Media World Headquarters in lovely Overland Park, Kansas. Vernon Astis is the former co-host of Driven Radio Show and owner of the world's lowest volume collector car dealership, Vernon Astis Classics. Vern, drink your beer and welcome back. Oh, hi. How are we? Nice seeing you again, pal. Oh, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> Thank you very little. Appreciate that. Thank you. Vern. Uh, that's okay. You'll smoke just, a turd just, in hell for that just, later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just kidding, Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Let me go get my uh, new ballots. <laughs> <laughs>
That really has become a thing, man. Every it time is. you say you got a Corvette, somebody says New Balance. Gold chains, New Balance, denim shorts. shorts, Tommy Bahama shirt. Either Tommy Bahama or, you know, a real Corvette guy might go with any car-themed shirt, really. Like, any car-themed short-sleeve. With cartoon cars on the front. Always short-sleeve. Has to have a pocket, of course, because where else would you keep, like, your pocket protector and maybe, like, three or four extra masks? Well, and you want to have, you know, three or four little Corvette keychains in there so you can show them to people. Exactly. And your COPD medication. (laughs) You know, like, there's all these things that you need to fit in that pocket. Wow. Corvette owner. Jeez, I can't remember the last time I got kicked in the junk this much. Thank you very little. I appreciate it. Sound- Makes me really glad I bought a Porsche. You sounded like a pinball machine down there. Ding, 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 ding. Anyway. Welcome to Driven Radio. Hope you wore your cup. <laughs> We're in for a bumpy ride. All right, dude. Let's talk about all the cool <laughs> cars you've got over at your. I, I, you just keep sending me these texts with all this cool crap you've got. Uh, tell us about the Brittany Blue sixty cell sixty seven Shelby GT five hundred you've got. Uh, I just got lucky. It's uh, sixty seven GT five hundred Brittany Blue. Which that's probably the second most desirable color. Okay. They made three different blues. They made Brittany Blue as a light blue. They made Night Mist, which is like basically navy or black. Mm-hmm. They made a medium blue called Acapulco Blue, yeah. which is actually my favorite color. But the two Mine that too. are the two that are most uh, generally the ones that I get the most emails about are people either want a Britney blue car or a Night Mist blue car. So it's kind of funny. Everybody has their own their own taste. This one's a Britney blue car. It's like a silvery blue. Uh, it's just a, the car's a freak of nature because I was told that the car was original paint. Okay, when. Uh, I talked to the guy. The guy put up an ad on the SAC website, the old school SAC website, Shelby American Automobile Club. And I call. I was the first one to call him. He said it was original paint, 31,000 miles. Said it had no rust. And uh, it, it showed up. It wasn't. And it's a, a Mustang. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're, we're talking yeah. about a Mustang. And, and, it was in, yeah, and it was in Delaware and was sold new in Pennsylvania. So, like, I'm kind of rolling my eyes. How does an know? East Coast car not have any rust on it? You'd be surprised. Some, I mean, most East Coast cars can be a mess, but, like, it's all about whoever takes care of them and what conditions it's driven in. This thing got to the building. <laughs> it is not original paint. It's a pre-1970, very thin paint job that actually looks pretty decent if you wheel it out. Otherwise, though, it's the most complete, original, unmolested 67 GT500 that I've ever had. I mean, it's got its original shocks, fuel pump. Yeah, it's crazy. Original day-coated shocks, fuel pump, original carburetors. Good the boy. red oxide floor is, like, brand new. The frame rails literally look like a jack has never touched them. Like, they're perfect right angles. They look better than frame rails on cars that are Concours restored. I mean, it's a wild How car. How many miles are on this? 31,000. How, how is that possible? I mean, he said he had trouble tuning the carb, so he parked it. He bought it in 70 from a he, – he says he bought it in 70 from the second owner who was a police officer in Newark, Delaware, who had three 67 GT500s. This is just one of them. And uh, he put two extra flamethrower lights in the front grill, so it has six headlights on it. <laughs> yeah, six headlights, Hearst Competition plus shifter with a reverse lockout that had since been jammed, thank God, in the open position. And – uh it's just a killer, just a killer pure car. It hasn't run since 78. I haven't really tried to do anything with it yet. I've just been kind of enjoying looking at it. I mean, like, it, the whole car is just absolutely, there is literally zero rust on the car. There's not even a single bubble on the car. Good Lord. That's unbelievable. It's crazy. All right, so you've just found another really cool car, and not only that, you found it locally. 
tell us about the 71 Di Tommaso Pantera. Yeah, so a guy that owns a shop across the street from me that services vintage Ferraris walks into my building and he just says, hey, you like to buy Fords? I got a car that you want to buy. I'm going to go buy tomorrow. And I said, okay, what is it? And he said, well, it's a Pantera. And my initial response was, okay, well, I think Panteras are cool. I've never owned one. I frankly never followed them much. Don't really, you know, outside of any other car enthusiast, not just not something I I like them. I've just not ever really chased after them. Pretty sure I knew as much about Panteras as you did. Oh, you probably knew more. I mean, I, I uh, just never. It was just never something that I paid a lot of attention to. Even though I have a friend who has a '71 Pantera black one, and I'd always I'd sat in it a couple times. Like, man, this would be a cool thing to own, but I just never. I guess just never went out of my way to try to buy one or research one. Okay, so, anyway, so what makes this one one that you'd want to own? So he says it's a Pantera. I'm like, oh, great. He says it's a 71. And I'm like, oh, great. Chrome bumper Pantera. That's what everybody wants. And then he says, yeah, but this is more than a chrome bumper Pantera. It's a push button. And I, I thought to myself, gosh, I heard that term somewhere. Like a month ago, I was listening to another podcast, Spike's Car Radio. Yeah. And one of the hosts said that he wanted a push button Pantera. And I had a couple days before that seen another eBay ad for that a sounds push like something Pantera. Zuckerman would chase. Zuckerman that him? said it. Okay. Yeah. So he said it, and before that, I had seen that car on. I had seen a push button Pantera on eBay, and those were the first two times I'd ever heard the, the terminology. For, for the uninitiated, explain push button Pantera. So a push when they started making Panteras in '71, they started in January of 1971. De Tomaso did not have a factory ready, so the cars were designed by Gia which actually was owned and run by an American at the time. Mm-hmm. And the first, now the numbers are sort of murky because they don't know if they necessarily built all the numbers or not, but like up to 400 cars, up to the first 400 cars were literally handmade at the Gia factory. All the body panels are handmade. Mm-hmm. They were hand assembled there. Of that, quote unquote, up to 400 cars, up to 97 of them were brought into the U.S., Yep. And they're all distinguished by, on the door, they have a circular recessed area with a chrome button with a keyhole that you push that button. There's a recessed area in the quarter that you reach your hand behind and pull out. So it's a much better looking door handle, but that's just like a general, it's just like a general distinguishing physical factor of these cars that makes them different. The other ones have a rectangular door handle that lasts all the way through production, which Panteras were made from 71 to 92. Yeah. Like they, they went on forever, but generally in Panteras, at least, I'm no authority, but generally in Panteras, you want, a, like, most people want a 71 chrome bumper in general. But yeah, the push pre-L button is like, Yeah, pre-L. And then, uh, so that can include 72s also. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of like the holy grail is a push button Pantera. So I just sort of, like, lucked into it, and I thought, well, hell yeah, I'll buy that car. And just, I, I'm just looking forward to, we're currently getting it running. And I probably will just have it kicking around for, like, six months. I probably won't try to sell it too hard just because... I just am excited. I've never had a mid-engine car in general, which is kind of crazy, but I've just never driven a mid-engine car. Mm-hmm. Never had a gated shifter. Never had a dog leg shifter. Mm-hmm. And that car is all those things. Well, I've also volunteered to drive this for you. It's so gracious of you. <laughs> and you can do it. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, that's what I get excited. I, I see a lot of, like, Shelbys, and Shelbys are special cars. But, like, I see a lot of them because that's what I specialize in. So, like, that stuff's not that I'm bored by it, but it's just I'm fairly used to seeing that stuff. So to well, me, I'll it's drop like, one of the Corvettes for you and take the Pantera off your hands exactly, for a little Exactly. A little even trade. There you so, go. But I'm just looking forward to having something new to experience, and who knows, maybe I'm I'm finding ever since buying that car, I'm becoming a Pantera guy, and I haven't even driven it yet. Yep. So they're, they're still, like, the crazy thing about Pantera is they're such a bang for the buck 
type of car. And it's Italian exotic, but it's reliable because it's a 351 Cleveland yeah. and a ZF transaction. It's just like a Cobra. I mean, you it's it's you have European exotic, but everything is available at Napa. There are no expensive. The only thing about Pantera is they rust everywhere, and generally yeah. all the places they rust are places you can't get to. So you just can't buy a rusty one. But otherwise, even today with prices up because the whole market is crazy, even something like a push-button Pantera doesn't sell for even a fraction of what any other European car from that period with that kind of like iconic styling goes Well, there's for. the trade-off. Yeah. But the upside on this car, how many miles are on the clock? Uh, 18,000 and Holy some change. Yeah. It's n- it hasn't driven anywhere. It really hasn't. It apparently came, and it, and it shows, because I had the car up in the air at the shop the other day, and it has no areas of apparent rust or rust repair. And it came out of Minnesota, of all places. So that's the kind of place where if you've got mileage, yeah. you're rusting. But yeah. it, it just doesn't and have And it's a factory anything. yellow car. It's just a cool car. I'm, I'm just I'm stoked Delaware, to have it. Minnesoda. I mean, are you going to get a car, get <laughs> yeah, a car that's not I'm from buying, the north I'm somewhere? buying dry cars it, out it of Rusty It came out of States. Dubuque. Yeah, Dubuque. I owed you. So uh, something else you've been working on, on at the shop, and you've had this one for a while, but it's really... It's gone through a metamorphosis. I think the car looks fantastic now. You've got a 66 Shelby GT350. Yeah. That I think you've done some really wonderful work on. You want to talk about that car? Yeah, I mean, it's a car that the last owner bought in 78. It was actually delivered due to Broadway Ford here in Kansas City. And uh, his father owned a Ford dealer. So in the body shop, they restored that whole car from Primer. And Whoa. you've seen the paint on it. Like, yeah. remarkable how good a lacquer paint job can look after that long if you prep it well, because that's a really nice car. Back then, there wasn't as much reference material available about the car, so he had painted the engine block black, and a lot of things weren't correct on it. So I pulled the engine and just kind of redid everything in the engine compartment and put it back together, and it's shaped up to be a pretty nice car. It looks like it's it's sold at the moment. Um, so well, that one's leaving, but it's so, been a while. Sold-ish. Sold-ish. Yeah, the guy hasn't sent any money yet, but it's it's uh, supposedly spoken for, so okay. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, still, the car just turned out beautifully. Yeah, I think it's a it's good old car. really good looking. You also have a clean little 65 Mustang convertible. Yeah, that's just, I like buying stuff like that. It's just a little C-Code two-barrel automatic power steering, power brake convertible. So it's, it's a low-po engine. It's not a performance car. Uh, uh, but the secretary's it's, car. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, but exactly. you can put the top down and you drive know, But around, the nice man. thing about those cars is that it's kind of like at the general price range that those are in. There's a million different buyers for those cars. It would be like a like any entry level mid year Corvette. There's sure. a million people that want that. You know, yeah. so like in Shelby's, you're dealing in this specialized market. Whereas like on an entry level Mustang, I mean, I had that thing out this whole week driving it, and it just ticks down the road. It's like I said, it's not fast. But it runs perfect. Well, power steering, power brake, AM, FM radio, center console, pony interior, just like a nice light blue over two-tone pony, just like a sweet little car to, to go drive around in. But just like a low-horsepower automatic Corvette, you know, that hasn't been hammered on. It hasn't been driven hard. Oh, yeah. It's probably a really nice little car. It's something that just because it's just me and you talking, there's, you know, obviously it's just me and you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. The lowest performance mustangs tend to be the nicest to drive if you just need to get a to b yeah i mean one car that i greatly regret selling is that i once went to uh to a small town in missouri because i saw a craigslist ad for a five thousand dollar mustang coupe it was red with a black vinyl top turns out it was a special order purple car but it was just a little j-code automatic factory air coupe 
This is like seven or eight years ago when you could actually buy such a thing for five grand. Mm-hmm. Oh. And my my objective on that car was just that would be fun to drive around and I'll maybe sell it for seven at some point. And when I found out it was special order paint, an Australian guy talked me out of it for like 11 grand. Oh, no. That was literally – and now don't cry for me because I obviously made a good profit on the car. Sure. But – I would give anything to have that car back. That car, <laughs> that car was literally the best driving Mustang I've ever had. It was perfect. It was not fast, but it had factory air, 302, vinyl top, automatic, buckets, center console. It was the car went down the road like it was brand new. Oh wow! And I sold it for eleven thousand dollars, and thought I just skinned a fat hog. Uh huh. <laughs> you know. Well, here's the one you you get excited about, and I know you love this thing, and I cannot wait to slide behind the wheel. You have a rather remarkable 75 Bronco finished in chrome yellow. Oh, yeah. I, l- I have an affliction for Broncos. See, I started buying, for the record, I started buying Broncos before Broncos were cool. When mm-hmm. I started buying Broncos, they were just cheap and fun. The more expensive they've gotten, the less uh, fun they've cheap. gotten. Yeah. Like, they were... No such thing anymore for that. Oh, no. Early Broncos, they've just got so crazy. But anyway, I got a... I gotta, text from a a buddy of mine who frequents a restoration shop in Kansas City but lives in Minnesota and he says I'm looking at an all original paint Bronco Ranger it's in like perfect condition it's still owned by the nephew the original owner so I said okay send me pictures I called him we talk about it I'm thinking on the phone as he's describing this car like there's no car that looks that good he's a Mustang guy so like surely he just doesn't know what original paint really looks like. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure I'm going to be disappointed. He sends like five grainy cell phone pictures. <laughs> and I'm looking at these pictures. You can't really tell much from them. And I'm thinking, there's no way this is as good as it. it there's no way it could possibly be as good as he's saying it is. But his what he said is that the nephew, the original owner, owned the thing. And he had it, basically the car was sitting at a consignment dealer in Minnesota. And the consignment dealer had been begging the guy to sell the car. It was only there to get an appraisal and to have two months of storage because the guy offers storage mm-hmm. because this guy was refinishing his garage at home. And he bugged him so much that the nephew calls him and says, if you can sell it in the next two days, I'll cut it loose. And so that's when they contacted me and told me what it cost. And it was a lot of money for any <laughs> it was a it was it was the it was so much money that when I initially heard the price, I was like, uh, no. Like this, this conversation's over. There's no chance we're going to do that. But I just couldn't stop looking at the pictures, and it was basically a take it or leave it. And I started asking more and more questions, and I was like, you know, even if it's a fully repainted truck, it's probably it's one of those things where if it's a fully repainted but perfect paint truck, like it appears to be, which I expected it to be, then it'll probably at least break even when I get it back home. Uh-huh. If it's original paint, then it's like the nicest Bronco Ranger in the world. Or at least like in that conversation. All right. Especially when on Broncos they made so many different colors and a lot of these colors in the Sevies were like light green, brown, like nothing I actually don't mind those colors, but like they weren't like the big popping colors that they sure. made. Like it's very rare that you find a perfect truck in also like a crazy, like desirable color. Which grabber which uh chrome yellow is essentially like grabber orange with just more yellow than orange. Okay. So it's a wild color with ranger stripes on and a brown hound's tooth interior. So I'm driving up there, and I call the consignment dealer, who I had talked to the day before, wired him the money the day before because the money had to get to him that day. Yep. I have a trailer on the back of my truck. 
And I told him I was coming the day before, and I call him, and I say, hey, I'm 15 minutes down the road. And he says, oh, you're coming today? I yes. Said, this is after nine and a half hours in the truck. Yeah. I said, yes. Are you there? Well, yeah, but have you paid for it? Yes. Yesterday. Please call your bank. <laughs> <laughs> Got in the car nine and a half hours ago. And so didn't get a call back. I roll into his parking lot. The garage door's open and nobody's in the building. And there's the Bronco sitting there. And I walk up to it. And I walked around half of the truck from five feet away and thought, oh, my God. I have to get out of here with this truck right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Before anybody else sees it. So just been in the car for a long time. So go to the bathroom. I come out of the bathroom and the owner of the dealership is in the truck backing it out to the trailer. Right. Seems like he's really in a hurry. Which doesn't <laughs> want you to change your mind. He's which, got your yeah, mind. he doesn't want me to change my mind. And I'm thinking like, good, let's get out of here. <laughs> let's do this. Trailer door's already down, brother. You just park it right behind that trailer and let's get going. Uh, but anyway, it was just it was just like a crazy deal where like that truck is from Minnesota. The original owner bought it in '75, traded a '74 Bronco that he bought with three in the tree on it towards that truck. Mm-hmm. He worked. In Arizona for Honeywell, who's an engineer, and he worked on their NASA account. He helped design part of the lunar rover, so this guy was wow as fastidious as they come. So he, when he bought it in 75, his nephew was there the day it was delivered, said, I'm going to buy that truck from you one day. All right. The nephew, he goes, his, his uncle immediately goes down to Arizona, works there, has the truck there. The nephew buys it in 93, brings it back to Minnesota. There's a whole other backstory, just this amazing romantic backstory of this truck and this family's connection to Ford Motor Company and that they all lived on this lake in Annandale, Minnesota. They had three family houses next door to each other. In 1929, the nephew's great-grandfather and the uncle's, uh, the nephew's great-great-grandfather and the uncle's great-grandfather used to go to that lake shore in that same spot in a Model A and fish before they lotted out the lake. When they lotted it out, they bought three lake houses. The nephew grew up in the middle one, the uncle next door. Okay. The uncle never had children, so he's like a father figure to the nephew. All right. He bought it in 93. Apparently, the nephew still has his lake house, but that's the only of the three lake houses the family still owns. So he sold it to remodel the lake home and keep it in his family. Oh. I was just blown away that he even sold it, though, because the truck has 104,000 miles on it, and I have seen seen 10,000-mile trucks for sale at public auctions that have brought you know ungodly figures and they are not even close to this truck this truck's door panels are the nicest door panels i've ever seen on any vintage ford wow doesn't matter like what kind i mean they're like right up against like when you're really into old cars you know how it is like you get it's actually the things that everybody else thinks don't matter that do matter door panels on broncos are made of cardboard yeah there is no prying tool you can use that keeps them nice no so like it's either been taken off and it's not nice anymore, or it's never been off the truck. The door panels fit on it like it's a freaking And, and they're just flush and oh, it's perfect incredible. the way they're supposed to be. The upholstery's all perfect. If you saw that, you'll see the truck soon. You're going to drive it and do a review of it and all that. Yeah. Like, I ask people when they come into the shop, how many miles does that have on it? And most of them, because they see the shit-eating grin on my face know that they're supposed to guess a high number just because like why would he be asking that unless it was some unexpected answer but most people who 
have looked at it have said like there couldn't be more than two or three thousand miles on this truck. <laughs> it's it's complete insanity how nice there, there is. It's literally never had a single bit of touch up on it. I okay, so the whole truck. extraordinarily nice, fastidiously kept, and fully optioned in a desirable color. Automatic. Wait, 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 wait! wait. You kind of glanced over that fully optioned. Yeah, so it's a Ranger, chrome yellow. Uh, it has automatic transmissions, a big thing in early Broncos. Everybody wants an automatic. Obviously, 302. Power steering, 75 is one year before power brake even came in, so it doesn't have power brake, but it wasn't available. Mm-hmm. It has three dealer sales invoices documenting dealer-added air conditioning. So, uh, so that's from the jump. Right, from literally pre-delivery. Uh, and then it has dual tanks, dual skid plates, heavy-duty suspension. Uh, Would this guy just go down the options Lord. list and check oh, it's off just, everything? It's basically for a Bron- – I mean, I, you could you could either go Ranger or Explorer. They're essentially equal options just with different graphics. But, like, either way you cut it, it's got basically every option you could get on a truck. It has my favorite option on the truck, which I have two trucks that had this option. I could never figure it out. Then I had a friend who's a really big Bronco authority show up at the building because he was traveling across the country and wanted to see that Bronco. So we went to Oklahoma Joe's together. I'm sorry, Casey Joe's for all those people out there. <laughs> barbecue. And uh, barbecue, very famous barbecue restaurant and a gas station. And uh, he stops in and I said, you know, I got to ask you, Todd, what is the silent exhaust option that is on the Marty Report and all the other paperwork? So it's on both the trucks. I can't figure it out. They have the same mufflers as any other Bronco. I don't understand the difference. And it turns out Ford charged like $30 for a silent exhaust option that a normal Bronco comes, the exhaust comes back to the rear and then turns out to the right and goes out the side of the truck. Instead of turning out to the right, it Uh would turn to the right and then it would straighten back out and go to the back. Putting that extra bend in the exhaust pipe was $30. (laughs) And I can it, the car has its complete I guess original it quiets exhaust. It down too. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it has its original exhaust on, and it sounds just like any other Bronco that I've ever driven. So I don't think it actually does anything. I can't wait to get a look at this. Thing. Think about how many Broncos were optioned with that though, and it was thirty bucks a pop just to put a bend. Well, in Well, thirty exhaust. bucks and seventy five is a little was not cheap. Yeah. yeah, that was you know probably three hundred dollars <laughs> in today. Like that's an expensive option for a, for a bend in a pipe, you know. So, dude, that's awesome. I can't wait to get a look at this thing. It runs down the road like a Lincoln. You won't believe it. I mean, usually I love Broncos, but they're absolute piles no, they, of garbage. They drive, drive. they drive like crap. <laughs> most most of them drive this like one, crap. This one is just smooth as butter. Wow. It's like it's like a luxury car. I absolutely can't wait to get my hands on that. We've been speaking to Vern Estes of Vernon Estes Classics about his rather stunning inventory especially for the world's lowest volume collector car dealership. <laughs> hey, your claim, buddy. I didn't make that up. It's less title work. <laughs> I hate titles. <laughs> you can find all the social media links for Vern and Vernon Estes Classics on DrivenRadioShow.com. As always, thank you for sitting in. Thanks for coming. Thanks for drinking beer. Got it, baby. Thanks for having me. Always great to see you. We'll have Rye at the building. Oh. After, after the Bronco drive, uh, of course. Yes, after after i'm coming next week man be ready for it thank you so much for spending time with driven radio we love what we do and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners you can find us online at drivenradioshow.com and readthedriven.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at driven radio show and everywhere fine podcasts are heard i'm brett hatfield for Corey pratt yep mark groves and vernon astis yo thank you for listening we'll see you next time here on driven radio 